All right, hard yarners. We are in the new studio, the yes. Pod Hub. Pod Hub. The Pod Hub. It's um, a shithole, by the way. <laughs> we were joined today by Corey Green from Athletic Institute, Blake Kapler from BK Performance, and Andy Blow from Precision Hydration. Um, mm. He zoomed in from London. It was fucking awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Zoom. Uh, Zoom <laughs> by Precision Hydration, um, and we have a, a massive discount offer. Don't say it yet. Listen. All the way to the end. Yeah, listen to all. Yeah, the, yeah. Actually, there's a discount offer for a 15% um, 15% off dis- yeah. discount on uh, hydration products through Precision Hydration. But through you have to website. listen. Yeah, it's through their website. Yeah. If you're locally based, um, obviously come hit us up at AI and BK Performance and we'll look after you. But listen to the whole episode and at the end you'll get the. Uh, the, 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 the promo code. Um, what did we talk, talk about just for the listeners? So well, I, I thought today was fantastic. We got obviously into all things hydration. So what mm-hmm. types of you know hydration supplements there are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, think all things cramping. Um, performance, concentration, mm. hangover cures, hangover Willy cures, Rioli, <laughs> drug cheats. Yeah, um, really yeah. good scientific the myths, stuff. The myths of you know coffee and, and, and those sorts of things that we sort of try to It was actually quite an, an informative podcast in mm. terms of I think you'll walk away with a lot of good information um, and just ways you can sort of look at your own hydration strategy for performance and even the everyday person just who, you know, tradies who are out in the sun. Obviously, we have pretty harsh elements here in Perth, so... Looking after those guys as well, not just purely just athletes. We're looking at instead of everyday people as well. So Perfect. Let's get hard, baby. Let's get hard. Let's get hard and sweaty. Look at these men. <laughs> I'll take the bit. <laughs> I'm a crow. <laughs> you shall you not pass. You shall not pass. <laughs> he never did the W, but everybody else has done the W. <laughs> Listen all the way to the end, and you'll see why he's the dumbest cunt on the planet. Yes. Grab a drink, settle down, and we'll see you in right now. Yeah. All right, welcome to the new studio, the new podcast studio. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Delby is running a couple of minutes late, but we've got uh, three guests on with us today. We've got Corey Green from Athletic Institute. We've got Blake Kapler from BK Performance. And we've got Andy Blow. Blow, is that the correct pronunciation from uh, Precision Hydration? You can correct me if I'm incorrect, if I'm in wrong. Wow. <laughs> what? That, that wow. Was that wrong. is the worst. Mate, I... You I, fucking re-record that. No, I'm not re-recording. I've had the most fucking hectic day. Let's not talk about me. Andy, how you going, mate? Good. Good, fellas. Thank you for the invite to come and chat yeah, with you. Yeah, we should... Um, let the listeners know you're actually coming to us from London at the moment. It's, uh, is it about five thirty, six o'clock in the morning over there at the moment? It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm just about ninety minutes south west of London on the coast. I wish I was in Perth actually with the weather that you've probably got at the moment compared to what we've got here. Yeah, well, we've had a random. We've, we've, we've had a rough week. Well. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a terrible week. But that's it, was, okay. it was six a.m. when we were supposed to start. Yeah, it was. It's about eight now. <laughs> yeah, we're running a bit late. Um, mate, so uh, there's so many things that we uh, want to talk to you about. Um, I'm just going to quickly tell you that I'm basically a layman when it comes to this sort of stuff. I don't know anything about hydration. Um, but if you can give a bit of a backstory um, as to who you are, what, you've, uh, what you're doing, and um, I guess exactly what you're trying to uh, do with precision hydration. Yeah, no worries. Um, so... Well, Precision Hydration started about 10 or 11 years ago, and we were on a bit of a mission to educate people, athletes specifically, but anyone who sweats a lot, about the best way to hydrate for their health and performance. But the the idea of it came out of my 
my own experiences largely as an athlete. When I was, I was, I trained as a triathlete. I went to University of Bath in the UK in the late 90s, which was a big triathlon training center, and sort of got got bitten by the triathlon bug back then. Wanted to be a pro athlete. I was like, I was decent but not brilliant, and managed to race as a kind of low-level pro. I did, I did a lot of races in the UK and in Europe, obviously, and then found that whenever I travelled somewhere hot, my performances would just fall off a cliff, and totally, you know. I would just struggle like hell in the heat and humidity and and traced a lot of that back to the fact that I was I knew I sweated a lot it's it's pretty obvious to anyone who's trained with me that I've got a high sweat rate and then what I found was also through a doctor friend of mine that I was losing a ton of salt in my sweat and I was basically over drinking under salting and just my, my performances were horrible and it wasn't until I sort of learned to correct for that 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 a light bulb went on and my performances in the heat came back together. Yeah, like it's and to touch on that, we have an athlete at the footy club when I first got there. Um, similar thing, um, just night before a game, he would be consuming a large amount of water, and uh, obviously going through sort of himself hyponatremia. And then once we sort of backed off the water, increased his salt intake, and he would he would cramp. He was cramping every game at that point um, in his career, yeah. and he had like a six, seven year career at that point to the point where just a bit of advice like that, back off the water, increase your, your sodium concentration and your magnesium and so forth and then hasn't cramped since. So, um, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to say that. It's a, common, it's, a, it's a common theme, Corey, and we've had it with like triathletes, with soccer players, with rugby players, with American football players in the US. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about how to how to hydrate properly, you know, and, and one of the big ones is that people they think that hydration is just about drinking more and more water because we've had this sort of message rammed down our throats over the years that actually everyone's walking around horribly dehydrated the whole time what you've got to do is just drink more and more and especially before competition you've got to turn up hydrated which is true you have got to turn up hydrated but if you just smash tons and tons of water there becomes a point when you actually do yourself a lot worse rather than than improving you know improving your chances is it and and you were mentioning about that that was the salt that like sort of um having yeah getting rid of those important salts yeah you, you you drink too much water and then obviously then you you secrete sodium out through your urine like you're obviously just pissing out a lot more salt does it help with and i does it help with like uh weight loss and certain things like that like constant use of water and drinking water andy no i think again that's another one of those sort of like myths diet myths if you like that that people go for. I mean, a lot of people who are trying to eat purposely low calories will drink a lot more water in the in the hope that it's sort of like healthful. It's got no calories. It might make them feel full. But I'm pretty convinced that a lot of the time, when people are when people think they're being super super conscientious about their hydration, they're actually they go from maybe underdoing it to very quickly overdoing it and mm. not and missing out the middle ground, which is just like drinking normally which is what most of us just need to do day to day yeah i think it's a bit of lack of education like you speak to so many people and they think oh i drink four or five bottles of water a day um and they're just not educated that that's not it's not just about the water content that they take on and if anything if they start drinking too much it, it can have the it can go the other way and be worse 
Side note. So yeah. Delby's here. Yeah, I'm just listening. <laughs> it was a very serious tone. <laughs> so are we suggesting we also drink water in moderation? Because does water help you be on time better? <laughs> no, he's teaching the next generation. <laughs> yeah, I'll teach our future leaders. also very rich coming from Blake. He has his, his own standard time. That yeah. is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you would have the sticks. You would have um, missed a bit of his uh, backstory, but he's a professional triathlete, and basically yeah. through his own mistakes has learned uh, how to become an expert in hydration. What mistakes are we doing? Like Blake mistake? Who was it? You that told no, us no, like no, shitting yourself? If we do Blake mistakes, we'll, no. this would be a long podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did some work in was it Formula One GP? That was you did a fair bit of work with that as well with. Um, Drivers obviously losing a lot of like seven kilos up to yeah. I've heard in a race. Like F1 drivers lose heaps, man. Is they that do. just because they're surrounded by heat with their engine, or are they just like sweaty Italians, or what's the go there? <laughs> 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 no, def- definitely with the, with the F1 guys. So yeah, I used to work for the Benetton Formula One team as a sports scientist back in the late nineties, and the, one of the drivers. How old actually, are you? You look about twenty. <laughs> How can you work in the late nineties? <laughs> You're like ten. He's hydrated. <laughs> He's got the fountain of youth in these water products as well. Yeah, so well, we, that's the ne- that's the next marketing campaign. But, um, <laughs> when one of the drivers that I worked with back back then, when he was a younger driver, was Mark Weber, and um, so you guys will presumably yeah. know Weber. Yeah, because um, we're Aussies, he, we all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> and and he he um, so he screwed up his hydration once, big time in in Monaco. I think it was when he was doing the. The um, the Formula uh, Formula Two three thousand. So we'd like the step. What was the step below F one? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, and I take some sort of like, um, I guess some responsibility for it because we we would talk a lot about hydration and nutrition and training. And at the time, the advice was very much so. Well, you know, it's better to drink a bit more rather than drink less. And he, being a diligent sort of guy who wanted to really max out his performance, he drank loads and loads of water. And then got a bit hypernatremic in the car, um, felt really like spaced out and dizzy and crap, and had a terrible race. I can't, I can't remember whether he even maybe stuffed the car into the barriers, but it was like a real bad experience. And a big, drink, drink a driving, big man. It's no good. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What's hypernatremic? Exactly. Is that when Del you're, is a comedian? should probably just add yeah. that. He, yeah. that is that when your cells get too full of water, or is that like what's hypernatremic? Uh, you missed it. Yeah, yeah it's, it is. It's yeah, the, yeah, down, yeah. The, 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 the later on effect of it is that your cells swell up yeah. with water. But what happens first is you, you drink too much yeah. water. You, you're, the salt levels in your blood, the sodium levels in your blood get diluted. If you can't pee enough to get rid of that excess water, then it, it, your body diffuses it from your bloodstream into your cells. Your yeah. cells swell up and it's really problematic when it swells up your brain cells because obviously yeah. it can ultimately kill you. You, yeah, won't, that's how you, you, won't, of, you won't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> My brain Just cells are already inflated. Yeah. Well, that's how people die from MDMA as well. Eh? They drink too much water and then... That's yeah. exact same way. Probably, they probably the same thing. Yeah, because yeah. it happens in yeah, it used to happen in clubs and stuff. Because people, people sort of you know they sweat a lot. They they get incredibly thirsty. They they're dancing all night. They they drink a load of water and then it's actually the hyponatremia that kills them. Nothing. It could be the yeah, shock on Corey's face when you said that. He's like, "What are you talking about?" And then he's yeah. come up with a fucking amazing yeah. explanation. That's no, true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. So that's the next uh, market is <laughs> um, Mykonos and Eos. <laughs> Just fifty yeah. bucks a bottle. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> so, if people charge twenty dollars a drink of water in um yeah isn't uh, really yeah. isn't a uh, fifty cent made 
He's made millions off water. Yeah. Selling bottled water. Yeah. No, yeah. But he's yeah. Ch- he's, no. he's selling the wrong program. It's got no sodium in it. What's yeah. he doing? <laughs> yeah. He's cooked it. Yeah. So well, so that just made me think though, the drivers they can't they can't go to the dunny when they're driving. So they drink too much. That's it's well, all yeah, over, they, eh? They they just end up well, yeah, they just end up well, they just end up peeing themselves in the car. Jeez. You know, what was the average they, weight loss? They really do. Throughout wow. a, a race, like for those guys. They're, varies massively depending on the environment but the reason they lose so much weight in a race is because they've, they've got fireproofs on so. then they've got overalls on helmet gloves yeah. you've obviously got heat from the car ambient heat if you're in the worst one for them most of the time is the malaysian grand prix because yep. it's so hot and humid and you're just like hot and sticky before you even get anywhere near the car let alone then like sitting on the grid and then, doing ro- and then you've got road temp- even road temperatures are just they go through the roof eh? the track temperature yeah so so the, the guys there can lose, you know, like several kilos in in the duration of, of the race. I would say it's still not – people make a big deal about how much weight they lose, but I would say as long as they go into that situation well hydrated, which, you know, we obviously understand a lot more now about what to drink before, and we give them a lot more sodium rather than – with their drink rather than just water, you can be kind of loaded up a little bit better, as you would be hopefully on the start line for an Ironman or something – you need to pee less and you you can then tolerate a few kilos of weight loss without your performance really falling off a cliff and in the f1 cars they have a they have like a little button on the steering wheel often with a a pump and a tube that feeds into the helmet so they can get either a bit of sports drink or a bit of water into their mouth to to stop them getting too thirsty can we talk about sports drinks now obviously we've done Mm. me and blake have done the training peaks university course on um hydration so there's You've got yeah. isotonic, you've got hypotonic, and you've got hypertonic solutions. And gin now, and tonic if you get loose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah gin and tonic if you get yeah. loose. I like that. Um, <laughs> so for the people out there who would sort of take sports drinks, um, obviously we do triathlon. Um, like having flat coke during a race is, is pretty common. Uh, do you want to talk about those sort of three and what the difference is between them? Yeah, um, isotonic is like the most common sort of sports drink because that's what the, the Gatorades, the Powerades, the... Lucas Aids, those sort of things, they're all isotonic and they were designed. The original formulation comes from like the 1970s, really, and it was designed to give some carbohydrates back to the body because when you're exercising, you're obviously burning energy, and if you can replace some of that, it's helpful. They, they obviously have a lot of water in them because they're liquid and that helps replace some of what you lose in your sweat, and sometimes they contain some electrolytes as well. So we always call them like the jack of all trades. They do a bit of everything. They'll, they'll give you a bit of energy, a bit of fluid, a bit of salt. Um, and they sort of work pretty well for shorter duration activities. So if you're doing something less than 90 minutes, two hours, and you just need something to keep you going, then they're not a bad option because they, they give a bit of, of everything. If you, if you go below them in terms of strength of carbohydrate, you, you get what's called hypotonic drinks, which are like lower lower strength um, or lower osmolality which is like the thickness of the drink and they can be absorbed the advantage that they have is they're absorbed through your gut into your bloodstream a lot more quickly especially if they have a lot of extra electrolytes in them so the kind of drinks that we make at ph are hypertonic electrolyte drinks because when you're doing really long exercise or it's really hot what you what becomes more important maybe than the fueling is always important, but hydration can be more important in, in extreme heat. So if you take a hypotonic drink, you're going to absorb it faster and it's going to rehydrate you better than a, a drink with more calories in. 
And if you jump to the other side of it and go hypertonic, which is like a stronger drink, that is like flat Coke is a classic hypertonic drink because it's got more sugar in it, less salt, and it gives you a lot of energy, but it doesn't hydrate you as well because it takes longer to move through the gut. So if you were like really low on blood sugar or really low on energy, that's why when a flat Coke tastes amazing because your body's crying out for the sugar. But when you're dehydrated or you, you're sweating a lot, what you really want is a hypotonic drink, which is a I was going to ask, how do you make flat Coke, make Coke taste good? Or does it taste good when you have it? Oh, mate, you need when you're it. in the hurt box and it, I'm oh. back up and I'm in. Well, that yeah, I was going to... S- go out for a three-hour run and then flat Coke, you'll pay 10 bucks a can. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, Branchy, so yeah. you want to talk about... Because like, you're going to need all the help you can get. Yeah, and this yeah. is that's what I was going to say. So, you you were just mentioning about having too much water and having to stop for a piss. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that you guys just do it when you're running or you're riding or in the water or whatever. I'm not sure what you guys do as triathletes. Um, what am I going to do to they try sit, to avoid and squat, mate. having to do that? And <laughs> is that sort of what you were just talking about? They're using, um, uh, using the, the electrolytes and certain ways to get myself more hydration without having less, with less fluid. Yeah. What, what you want to do in a long ultra distance race, especially if it's hot is you probably are going to wind up the volume of electrolytes you take in comparison to the water, because then you'll, the electrolytes, the sodium in particular goes into your bloodstream with the fluid and then holds the fluid there in the blood rather than diluting the blood sodium levels down so much. So you end up peeing less. Also, when you're exercising, your body releases hormones that cause you to pee less anyway. So I would say it's everyone's different in, in this, but there's in ultra distance races, when you're going for like hours and hours, you probably are going to pee a handful of times, a couple of times, maybe mm-hmm. what you, you shouldn't be peeing every hour or every half hour it should be way less frequent than that i mean and blake might be able to speak to this being you know obviously quite experienced with ironman and stuff but for me i would probably pee once or twice on the bike in an ironman if i was getting my hydration about right maybe once on the run but if you're doing a lot more than that you're probably over hydrating if you if you're not, not peeing at all there are some athletes that will get through the race without peeing but that i would say that they're treading a real fine line with getting quite dehydrated they're taking the piss they're not taking the piss but yeah Andy's yeah. saying that like pre- I haven't done a Ironman with a specific like the changes in my hydration program that we've put in with precision yeah. hydration previously I'd, I've never been to the toilet in an Ironman oh yeah yeah and okay that, and that and I've done for the short time I've been in the sport I've done an, a reasonable amount of them yeah um, so I, I was twice in my first um, but yeah, I guess we, me and you started talking about hydration probably more seriously, what, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's how we sort of got onto this sort of topic of hydration. Yeah, I've only pissed on one Iron Man, but that was, <laughs> that was different. He paid me money for that and uh, we filmed it. So <laughs> it's a little bit different. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, awesome. So I, I'm going to ask before you get yeah, because no, no. you were talking about weight loss before with the um, drivers. And we see yeah. the weight loss and cutting weight in the UFC. Have we touched on that yet? No, we haven't. So fighters cutting weight and all these fighters dying across the world. What's For those that don't know, what's causing the deaths? And then what's the safest way to do it? Because they're using water weight to cut their weight, which is obviously super unsafe because they're dehydrating in the sauna and guys are dying. Yeah. Um, what, what's yeah, so what they, do, what they do is that obviously for anyone who doesn't understand that concept, the guys in any kind of weight, 
category sport if you're a boxer and you're fighting in a category where you can be up to 75 kilos on the day on uh, at the weigh-in what a lot of guys will do is they'll be training at say 80 kilos so Mm -hmm. five kilos above because you want to be as strong as you can be in the last 48 hours before the weigh-in they'll furiously dehydrate they'll have saunas they'll take hot baths they won't drink anything they'll they'll just totally flush their the water out of their body so that they can weigh in at 74.95 kilos on the day of the weigh-in and then they've usually got like a few hours it could be 24 hours and it, it depends on the sport but you've got a period of time where you then not weighed and they'll often fight back up at about 80 kilos yeah. it's kind of a weird artifact of the rules of those sports because they used to weigh them in immediately before fights and then what they realized was that people are obviously like horribly dehydrated one of the things that can do is if you if you're really horribly dehydrated is you've obviously got less um, extracellular fluid in the body your brain is more exposed to damage you know concussion and that sort of thing which is not good if someone's about to repeatedly punch you in the head Mm. um rocking you, you can run all the risks, the same associated risks of hypernatremia, because then what you're going to do, if you've weighed in 24 hours before and you're five kilos down, that means that you're about five litres light on water. Mm. So, you know, you can imagine trying to pile in five litres of water in a really short space of time before a fight. It, it's going to play havoc with your body. So yeah, w- when we Kidneys-wise as well, like the damage that it can cause that. Doing that sort yeah, of wake I think up. Repeat, repeatedly stressing your kidneys with either like restricted fluid or excess fluid is obviously not not going to be great. Your kidneys can probably cope with a massive range though of fluid intakes because that's what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Because you know people people obviously survive in extreme survival situations for quite a long time without fluid, and also by contrast, some people habitually overdrink a lot of the time. And as long as your kidneys are healthy, they can process quite a wide range of fluid <clears throat> in, inputs. But what what we've what we've seen with you know, like UFC fighters, boxers is when they do the weight cut. There's a whole nother topic which is probably too big for this, and it, around like how much weight they should cut, and different people have different opinions on that. But when they're when they're rehydrating, what we tend to do is put a very very high amount of sodium in the drinks that they take in, quite a lot of carbohydrate as well actually, because when you when you um, cut down before the fight, you tend to cut down your glycogen stores because mm-hmm. they are quite heavy and hold a lot of water with them. And and then, so in the post weigh in rehydration, you have a drink which has got quite a lot of, of calories, quite a lot of um, sodium, as well as quite a lot of carbohydrates. And then that's the quickest and most effective way to kind of get your body weight back up safely, restocking your glycogen, rehydrating you fully. And then you stand the best chance of getting back in the ring, and- you know, in good shape. If you're John Jones, yeah. Well, I think yeah. Daniel Cormier, uh, Cormier, yeah. he um he actually couldn't compete in the Olympics a couple of years because of the weight loss, uh, weight cutting he was doing. It caused some severe kidney damage. Yeah. And um, ironically, now he causes severe kidney damage <laughs> to his opponent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then so, I, 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 sorry, yeah. okay. So, sorry, I was just going to say that one thing that, that happens, and I'm not definitely that wouldn't be a case of like putting names to, to pointing fingers or anything. I don't know that guy at all, but um, some of the athletes will maybe take diuretics and things like that in the weight cut phase, which which then is 
perhaps what could help you know cause kidney damage and diuretics are, are like drugs that that cause you to to pee more name and shame who was it drugs. which professional athlete do you know that was taking dire- i heard it was shane warne and his mum gave it to him <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i heard um dustin so dustin P- Poirier. Poirier, yeah. So Cormier and fucking, yeah. yeah. I'm having a bad day. Picking every French sounding. I heard him on the Rogan podcast talking about just how fucking dreadful the weight cut is and how painful and just the quality of life that you have for, uh, you know, that those couple of weeks after all that. uh, Is it? Because right. you, your final weigh-in is the night of? I think uh, 24 hours before. The night before, hours, sorry, yeah. yeah. So then you're just piling on food, I guess. And, and right. He's complaining. He's a millionaire. Imagine being weight-cutting as an Ethiopian. You do that <laughs> all the time. It's like just cutting water Professional weight, weight forever. Cutter. Yeah. Professional weight-cutter. <laughs> Professional weight-cutter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, classic. What were you going to say about your, your distance run? Uh, yeah, my distance. So, uh, well, uh, he hasn't done any yet. He hasn't done a run yet, has he? Yeah, so consider, <laughs> considering like the longest I've ran, I've ran before, and I'm going to start to up it a little bit, is 21 I Ks. So. Now, I but I, I we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with that. But it, how best to hydrate for something like that considering I've not really done long, long distance before. I've never re- run a marathon. I would highly recommend going into Athletic Institute and getting <laughs> you, bringing yourself in for a sweat test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll send you the link. Okay. <laughs> so I guess answer Branchy's question and then follow up with you know, what the average person would lose roughly in terms of sodium. So I guess yeah. it's probably a two-part question. But yeah. Yeah. I think like, like we've found with testing – how much an athlete would lose is so individual across oh, the whole board. It's, it's so massive. It's very. It is 100% varied. Yeah. Uh, we've had our yeah. guys. We've one of my staff is. You know, he's he needs to replace 2,300 milligrams an hour. Uh, we're only exposed 1,200. So that's that's a big difference. And then um, we got Ben. Yeah. Got ben, who's who ben who sweat. He's like 460 milligrams. So yeah, he's and only and only 0.8 of a liter per hour yeah. sweat rate. So there's, there's big differences there. Um, yeah. Brenda Favola was losing grands <laughs> and grands sweating over his bets at his peak oh. performance. <laughs> How does your sweat test work? Uh, I'll let Andy take that one actually because yeah. I think why well, get the, might as well get the expert to, to talk about it. Mm, yeah. yeah, sweat tests. Well, there's, there's two factors to sweating that matters. There's how much you sweat in terms of volume of sweat. And you can measure that really easily by weighing yourself before you go for a run or going on a bike ride and weighing yourself afterwards. And as long as you you correct for whatever you've drunk during that time, the difference in weight. So you usually lose weight. And if you lose a kilo, it will be a liter of sweat lost roughly. So that gives you a really good idea. And so what you could do in your, in your training session before the race is go for an hour's run, you know, in the same, you want to be running at similar conditions. So like similar temperature, time of day, Mm -hmm. um, similar pace, go, go for a run, weigh yourself before and after, see how much weight you lose. And that'll give you a really, decent approximation of what your sweat rate per hour is going to be like if you keep that pace up on the day during the, ra- and then yeah, the okay. test that and then the test that Corey and blake can offer is one where you measure the sweat composition so this was this was like an interesting one for me 15 years ago when i got this test first done because the doctor said to me look you've you got to realize that sweat is has a lot of electrolytes in it but the amount of electrolytes varies hugely from person to person so he said, I think looking at you and, you know, because he saw me after a triathlon with salt crusts all over my skin and, mm. you know, um, like 
salt marks on my running cap and that sort of thing. And he said, I reckon your salt loss is going to be super high. So get you, you test the sweat composition and my sweat composition was like about 1800 milligrams of sodium in every liter. And then the range though, when we test a whole bunch of people, um, as, as Blake was mentioning earlier, you get people down at two, three, 400 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat, whose sweat is really, really dilute. And then you get people up at 2,000, 2,200 milligrams of sodium per liter whose sweat is really salty. And that's just a genetic factor largely. So some people's sweat is saltier, some people's sweat is less salty. And when you put those two factors together, like how much you sweat and how much salt you lose per liter of sweat, you get a really good idea then of what roughly how much you might need to replace. And as the guys have already alluded to, that can vary hugely from person to person so that's one of the areas where it, it's really hard to give like generic advice because what we really need to know a little bit is like how much do you sweat and how much salt do you lose because then we don't you don't need to individualize it to the point of like um, you know exact number of milligrams exact number of milliliters but what you need to know is that like a low range of, of, of intake for a, a long endurance run might be 300 milligrams of sodium an hour and 500 milliliters of fluid. But then if you go right to the other end, a high level of intake might be 1.1 liters of fluid an hour and 1500 milligrams of sodium. And how do you and test so it, Corey? It's all taste, about taste test figuring out. Like <laughs> no, nah, so basically you put uh, a sweat inducer on the forearm. I'm like, I'm just get your missus in there and ask you. <laughs> <you've been doing laughs> I'm highly trained and you just sweat and I look at it. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like a sommelier, <laughs> a French wine taster. <laughs> yeah, look, so we, we would hook you up to our machine yeah. and it basically induces a sweat. At that point, then we put on um, this, how would you describe it, Andy? It's probably a, a cylinder that coil. Little, the little collectors. Yeah, yeah it basically collects your sweat on the top of the skin. Tubing. And, uh, and then you put that into the sweat inducer, um, the reader. And basically, and the one thing about this that I tell all the guys we work with is the best part about it is that number doesn't change. So the number of the amount of sodium, correct me if I'm wrong here, Andy, but the, the, the amount of sodium you lose per liter, that number doesn't really change. Obviously, what changes is the environmental conditions. So if you're in a hot environment and you it's a 40 more. degree day, you sweat more, then you need more sodium. Um, if it's a cool day, you're probably going to sweat a lot less so that you don't need as much sodium, but the number of per liter that you lose, so I lose- So the ratio is the same. Yeah, so I lose 800 milligrams a liter. Yeah. Um, so that number doesn't change, but, and going to the point of, you don't need to replace, like you're trying to replace as much as you can, uh, I guess, but for us as triathletes and any endurance events, you're not gonna be able to replace 100% of it. So I guess it's important that you're just trying to meet a number close to that. And obviously as a race goes on, um, you just want to try and limit the effects of dehydration. So if you have that number and you know it mm -hmm. and you can work to it, then it's... And is, have they done genetic studies where, say, the Ethiopian runners, they don't lose as much or they've evolved to by living in that sort of environment to sort of, what's the word, um, keep more of their... Adapt. Yeah, yeah adapt, adapt or yeah. not yeah. leak as many, whereas like a sweaty wog like myself, I'll just be greaseballing <laughs> it up, like sweating straight away because of where I've grown up. Have they looked at any genetic factors like that? Or environmental factors. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's an interesting question because we've done a lot of sweat testing around the world now with a lot of different ethnic groups, a lot of large numbers of people, like thousands and thousands of people. Not what you tend to find in most places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What you find generally is that in any population, you see a. So you tend to see like some people on the lower end, some people on the higher end, and it's what's called a bell curve distribution. So yeah. in the middle, 
you've got most, it's a bit like height, you know, you go to anywhere, there'll be a few people who are really short, a few people that are really tall, and then most people are around, you know, if it's blokes, it'll be around 5'9 or whatever. Yeah. And and it's the same with your sweat. So, uh, so having said that, there are probably some like niche groups. We tested once um, a team from from Kenya, rug, the rugby sevens team from Kenya. Yeah. And all of those guys had really super low sweat sodium levels, which when you're only testing 15 people or whatever, can be, that can be a little bit coincidental because yeah. you haven't got a wide enough sample to rule out the fact that there might be some outliers. Yeah. But I would, I would say that it's not as simple as there are whole, like you're not going to go to one country or one area and say, right, we tested these people and they're all high or they're all low. Yeah. There tends to be a bit of a spread. Yeah. Um, but but it's down to individual genetics rather than sort of anything anything yeah, more no, yeah. more wide than that. What what they think it is is that when you sweat, so the process of sweating is quite useful to understand because your sweat actually comes out of your blood. So your your blood is made of of part a large part of it is plasma, which is like the clear bit, and then yeah. you've got all the red red and white blood cells and the, the sort of mass of the blood. And plasma is basically salty water. It's, it contains 3,600 milligrams of sodium per liter. And then when you when you get hot, your hypothalamus in your brain switches on your sweat glands and says, right, puts, let's put some sweat on the surface of the skin to evaporate it away to cool ourselves down. And so, you, so your capillaries, which are the really fine blood vessels near the surface of the skin, sweat and plasma moves from them into the sweat glands and then leaks out onto the skin. And it's in the sweat gland itself that your body reabsorbs some of the electrolytes because they're valuable and it doesn't benefit the body to evaporate those away with the sweat. So it tries to reclaim them. And basically when you lose, like I lose a lot of electrolytes in my sweat and it's because my sweat glands just aren't as good. at fun They don't function as well at reclaiming the sodium. Is there a way to Whereas improve your function of your sweat glands? Like not, not, not that I know of. And uh, although there is, there are like, to Corey's point that you know the sweat test result is the same every day there are theories in that and it that when you heat acclimatize for example for a very long period of time you can reabsorb a little bit more salt so you sweat more but you you sweat out less sodium per liter when i spend a month or so somewhere hot i might see my sweat sodium score drop from 1800 milligrams a liter to 1600 or something like that so it tends to trend downwards but it doesn't tend to drop enough that it would make I'm not going to suddenly go from like not from losing tons of salt in my sweat to virtually losing none so there's a little bit of adaptability in it but there's also I think a lot the, most of it is genetic you got to work with what you got so, something I'm very aware of I think, yeah. um, <laughs> I think we need to do it we talk heaps about athletes but I think what I've found is like the general population don't realise how important hydration is just to them in day to day uh, work and yeah. and stuff. I think um, concentration, mental clarity, concentration. Yeah. Like I, you might be able to elaborate on it. Like our harsh climate and our tradies that are out in the sun all day. Um, like you know, like walking around in a, on a roof. Uh, 
Yeah, look, we've got some roofies at the footy club, yep. and they're on. Uh, I don't want to hear about what you do to the ladies down there, mate. <laughs> I want to hear about their jobs. All right, <laughs> we don't want any roofies at the footy club. Yeah, we're not sipping. Any, just, just to clarify, just to clarify, we are not sipping roofies. Okay. Yeah, football players drink. You mean roof carpenters? Uh, roof carpenters. Right. Okay. Well, you don't know. <laughs> AFL clubs uh, around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Professional. Yeah. And if you said roofies and footy. They're making an association. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but yeah, like we're, we have like like Blake said, we have like forty degree days here. And um, they will just drink water all day. So I, had, actually, I actually had a conversation with an athlete a couple of weeks ago about his hydration. And it was exactly that. Tradie on the roof, just drinks purely water for the day. And um, he's rocking up to football training, shattered. Um, obviously, yeah. we, we spoke about this. And um, yeah, this, just the, uh, this, like the ignorance, which is just from lack of education that Blake sort of mentioned. So, You yeah. think it's important yeah. for, I, for even the general population yeah, to stay hydrated? Obviously, it is, yeah. It is, and I think it, then how much emphasis you have to put on that depends mainly on like if you are working in an air-conditioned office all day, you're obviously going to need way less like of a structured approach to it than if, if you are working on on a roof in the sun or yeah. or whatever. We've we've actually done a ton of work now in outside of sport in occupational health with with different um, groups of people. Some in Australia because over in over in um, Brisbane. Queensland yeah. we've done some stuff with rail company over there where they they've got guys that are walking the rail tracks obviously in extreme heat welding repairing stuff all day long they get a lot of instances of people going down with heat stroke and dehydration and things like that and so they they now sweat test a lot of their workers and they they give them hydration tablets to put in their water and they try to educate them that this is like going to help them stay healthier we in Texas and in Memphis in in the US we sell a ton of like um, strong electrolyte products to a roofing company over there and a landscape gardening company and people that are like doing outdoor labor or or working in like really hot sticky humid environments because your your body doesn't care if you're sweating a lot you know you can you might be out on a five hour bike ride but honestly there'll be a lot of, there'll be a lot of trades guys that are that are sweating more than that in a standard day's work. And then, and if they, if their hydration's poor during the day, and even if they're just using water, on the miseducation that that's the right thing to do, how does it affect other things like their appetite? Yeah, there's there's a really good case study that we had from one of the the, the rail worker guys who was, it, it turned out so the sort of back end of the story is that it turned out he had really really high sodium losses in his sweat, and he was when he did long stints of back-to-back days working he was struggling to eat he was struggling to hold any food down he was just feeling lousy lethargic and shit the whole time he was he's basically sort of like coming home from work and going to bed and couldn't eat his, his dinner um and once he had a sweat test it was identified that he was losing a ton of salt as well started putting salt in with his drinks started using the strong electrolyte supplements like everything turned around for him his appetite came back he was able to eat digest his food a lot better he had a lot more energy and it sort of like really turned things around for him so when we find people are on the not only sweating a lot but on the higher end of the spectrum for losing a lot of soul then this can be an absolute game changer for them and the the important thing to to realize is that it's 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 a difficult thing people expect like there to be one rule in this like how do you hydrate do you need or we get asked this question all the time do i need to take electrolytes or not and it's like, well, that's a really that's a really complicated question, really, because we need to understand 
a bit about your physiology, a bit about what you're doing. And it could be the answer to that question could be anything from yes, you need to take a shitload of electrolytes and fluid all day long because of your physiology and what you're doing right through to actually no, you're working in an office, you're not sweating, you know, you're not, you don't not active at all. You, you just need to drink some water when you feel thirsty and that's, mm. you've got everything in between those two. Do we have any crampers in the room? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I used oh, no, I, pro- I probably still would. So definitely in football, in certain games where I definitely wouldn't cramp, um, in sort of hotter conditions, there'd be some games where I wouldn't prepare as well yep. because I'm like, oh, it's a cold, rainy day, and then I would cramp. It's hard to cramp on the bench, though. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, definitely in the calves, though, was my huge area where I would cramp yeah. a lot. So cramping's cramp obviously, the, we can't talk about this. In the car or in the calves? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I was in, in the car, I didn't get, in, well, didn't get named. The, the worst that w- that would happen was when your hamstring would cramp up after a game driving home. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah! And you're, you're trying to put your foot on the clutch and shit. It's that's a, probably because it was so still sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, Lack of action. <laughs> These guys jest, but I used to run a fair amount in a footy game yeah, so yeah. But a after, water boy <laughs> but after a while it would, um, yeah. it would eventually uh, take a toll on me and I would I was a, a definite habitual cramper I remember one day having two power raids prior to a game and it actually made me cramp up in the first quarter. But really? You know, you're wearing the fluoro. So is that too much? Is you're that wearing the fluoro jacket <laughs> with water <laughs> on the back. That doesn't hydrate you. And yeah. you can't ca- – yeah, just because it says water what on your back. <laughs> Don't worry about these lads. Um, and uh, Is that is that um, old science saying it's just no salt or is that 100% true? Because so. I'm interested in that whole – concept of I had two power aids to make sure I had enough electrolytes and it actually caused me to cramp quicker. It's probably a two-part question, obviously, the cramping, but then preloading as well. Mm. Like people preload on carbohydrates before events. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can obviously do the same thing with hydration. Cool. Um, but I'll let Andy take it from there. Yeah, yeah cramping is like a massively controversial topic if you're in sports science because some people will say, yeah, it's to do with electrolyte depletion. Some people will say categorically it's not to do with electrolyte depletion. I think the evidence is like really scattered on that. And the honest answer is no one knows for sure, but I would say there is a massive amount of evidence that points towards the fact that in a lot of cases, if you get if you get your electrolyte in um, balance all wrong, so by drinking too much, by really not drinking enough, by sweating out a lot and not replacing it, then you're more predisposed to cramps. Because we all know that people, athletes cramp more in the heat. And especially when athletes go from cooler climates to hot climates that they're used to they're much more likely to cramp when they experience heavy sweat and salt losses if i speaking to my own personal experience of that once i figured out the amount of electrolytes that i needed to replace in in longer races the the times i got cramped because i used to cramp all the time and then it became far far less and we're actually we're actually doing a bit of a study at the moment into some of our data because every time as Corey will know when we do a sweat test one of the questions we ask people is like do you experience muscle cramps never rarely sometimes or often and what we're starting to see is that there is a bit of a statistical trend we've got enough data now to say that people that say that they often get muscle cramps tend to have on average a higher sweat sodium loss than people that say they don't cramp very often right so So I, i would say that there is a link and the classic thing that you did there, Cameron, of like taking two Powerades before a game to sort of prevent that is almost a bit, because Powerade or those kind of drinks have such low electrolyte levels, you think 
you're topping up on electrolytes. What you're doing is you're actually putting way more fluid than electrolytes in. Mm. And so probably having the opposite effect, you're Flushing. probably still diluting yourself Did down. we define and electrolytes so, at the start of the episode? And you've uh, been no, a sucker to the okay. Powerade yeah. uh, sports marketing oh, scheme. Yeah. Uh, Chris Dorman, who was your... Yeah, he's one a, of our mentors. A, a mentor he's of a yours. He looked at me after I told... Uh, he asked me, what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on? It's a quarter in and you're cramping. Um, and I'd never done that before. And yeah, he's, I told him and he's like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, but you didn't know any better and you thought you were doing the right thing. Correct. So. It's his longest game by one quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but an electrolyte, the definition of it, is that just a metal cation or is it a cation anions that are dissolved that carry an electric current or what's the electrolyte? Sorry, definition? science wow, teacher. Wow, wow. <laughs> I'm just thinking teacher. for... Well, because when we do chem, electrolytes, they um, conduct electricity. So I'm just thinking... Has yeah. that got to do with... Uh, that's exactly... You know, you you hit the nail on the head. Elect- electrolytes are positively, negatively charged ions that are in the that are in the body, in this case, that and they, they perform a whole like whole different range of, of um, purposes. But for athletes, where they're important is for... Well, for, in fact, for anyone, they're important for nerve transmission, muscle contraction... Um, and the the level of electrolytes. When we talk about electrolytes and athletes, the main ones are the electrolytes really that are in the bloodstream, so in your extracellular fluid. And the main one of those that that you lose when you sweat is sodium. So when we, because people all know about you know, magnesium, calcium, potassium, um, potassium, chloride, all these different electrolytes, and they're all important. They all have mega important roles. But the one that we lose the most of in sweat is sodium and that's that's why when we sort of boil it down really to talking about athletes and sweat we we come back to talking about sodium most of the time because that's the critical one that matters it's and it's not that you know if you if you don't have enough potassium in your diet and if you don't um, and potassium you get from you know fresh fruit and vegetables and that sort of thing then that can be that can be problematic but it's more of a chronic depletion issue whereas the sodium electrolyte depletion happens quickly when you sweat a lot you can go from being totally fine in terms of sodium balance to really quite depleted in two hours if you're sweating seriously heavily but sodium's so just why, salt right like you can get that in table salt what's no, the best yeah that's the misconception yeah so clear that up for us yeah so yeah so salt salt that you put on your food is sodium chloride so it's nacl and it's about 39 percent sodium and 61 percent chloride so when you read like there's a gram of salt in this, you've got 390 milligrams of sodium in it. If you've got and a good so dealer. With our, with, <laughs> you, as, as an athlete, you can definitely take, and it's, it's, it can be a good idea to take in some of your, salt, your sodium as salt because your body has really good receptors for tasting salt. You know, and, and salt's one of those things where when you think about it, when, when you, sometimes salt tastes fantastic because, and that's a sign that your body's a bit low on salt. So when you're doing an ultra marathon, Cameron, like 50, you know, 50k in, yep. and you get to an aid station, you'll be dead. There 50K might be, in, by the way, <laughs> some chicken, salt, and chips, brother. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there might be. Like I've done ultras where they've had 
little boiled potatoes and little trays of salt that you can roll them in to, to eat. I want to do it just for them. Like. If there's salt in the dirt <laughs> yeah. and he's face down, he'll be able to taste it. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> These guys are so unsupportive. <laughs> Mate, they will be scraping you off the pavement at 70 kilometres. Why do you think it? You guys are supposed to be fucking training <laughs> You're me. his coaches? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although we are not coaching Cameron. Mate, you, fucking, you are supposed to tell me what to do. I've got no <laughs> messages. So no far, you're we're dead <laughs> eating salt from the ground, man. Uh, we get yeah. a random message to saying this, we've Cameron. done this run. Is this good? Sorry, I, I believe in you, mate. I, believe, <laughs> I, I think you can do it. So, so how, do, how does an athlete start hydrated? Well, like, like Branch has got this eighty. He's got to run eighty kilometers, by the way, which is going to take him over ten hours. Yeah. Um, uh, what are we looking at? About twelve hours is the estimation. I think we were looking at. So how does he start hydrated? How does an athlete go into an event <coughs> hydrated? Yeah. Well, uh, also, and let's do it from let's from scratch. Someone who can real who's. We're looking at scratch. We got the right That's scratch. what I mean. So let's assume I've just I'm a, a regular sort of. From the knowledge I've, I've learned today, anything. you need to get a sweat test. You got to figure out how much you're evaporating and how much your sweat is um, uptaking, how much your salt's being depleted, yep. what sort of salt you're leaving. Once you've got that sorted, then you can figure out what sort of drink you need to intake. Cool. And we work from there. Thank you for your time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got two months basically. I've got that's how his brain works as well. But I've got two months basically until the run. So eight weeks. Yeah. Step one. Uh, get better sorry. coaches at the league. Yeah. Or get a coach. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got really <laughs> sick. You guys are coaching. I got really oh, sick. No. no, no, no. I got really sick. Like I uh, got a chest infection and got run down and and yeah, we don't have to go into that too much. But well, it set do. me back. Oh well, yeah, because it do. set me back quite I a actually, lot. I would actually say you got that from training too much, too hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Too soon. Uh, as well as because I had bad, I had a huge workload. I had a bit of everything. Stress. Yeah, yeah, stress a lot. Um, so I guess how can I best prepare? And this could. Be, you could basically run this for anyone, so just a random person in the street. How could I best pre- prepare for a fucking ultra marathon in yeah. two months with no, having done nothing? Yeah. Where from would a, I start? From a hydration standpoint. Yeah. Yes, from a hydration. So I think there's there's a few things you can do. One of them, as we've touched on, is, is worth measuring your sweat rate in mm-hmm. a couple of training sessions just mm-hmm. to start to get a handle on where that is. And to put it in context for you, I would say if you, if you find that your sweat rate's like 500 mil or half a kilo per hour mm-hmm. or less than that, that's very, very low. If you find that it's like two liters plus per hour, that's getting very high. And obviously normal is somewhere, if you like average would be somewhere between those two. Usually One, it's a bit of an arbitrary number, but you quote like a, li- a, liter, a liter or so an hour. And, yeah, okay. And then if you, if you can, you get a sweat test done with the guys just to understand the, the ratio of sodium loss. I'll do that well. next week. That, yeah, they, that they, does, um, that it, does. As you get closer to the event, it gets more expensive. The <laughs> <laughs> price goes up weekly. <laughs> Mate, I'm just going to go run. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck these guys. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm just going to run 5Ks a day. Well, if Forrest Gump can do it, and he's smarter than you. Actually. Anyone can do it. <laughs> well, r- remind me to come back. Because it's important what he's talking about, but rom- remind me to come back on that and the short distances in regards to training for a long distance. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, carry on, sorry. And then, and then what I'd say from there is the, that actually the most important thing that you can do between now and then, if you've got a few weeks before your event, mm-hmm. is start to actually experiment with how much fluid and how much sodium you take in on your, on your long your longest, hardest training runs. Mm-hmm. Write that down, You know, put it in your training diary or in Strava or whatever you note it in 
and and sort of start to build up a real world picture of like okay well in this run i ran for two 2.5 hours i drank 700 mils an hour mm-hmm. roughly and i took 800 milligrams of sodium an hour and this is how i felt and then as long as you've got a handle on those figures and like any sort of good scientist you move one of the variables at a time so you might then think well actually i still felt a little bit light a bit dehydrated and a bit dry on that one so i'm going to up the amount of fluid and salt there and move it together but although all of because obviously we're big proponents of the testing and the science and working things out but what you've got to not ignore is that a lot of the gains and Corey and Blake will know this massively from their years of experience is that you can't beat a good bit of organized trial and error in the, in the real world to sort of like dial it in and figure it out that what the testing does is it starts to identify, right? Are you likely to be a guy who's really on the low end or really on the high end or somewhere in between? Cause that, that dictates where you start that trial and error mm-hmm. and what numbers you kind of play with. But after that, it's all about just, intuition like learning that's really strange because you're doing it with qualitative data rather than quantitative so to get like uh how you feel as opposed to yeah this is my specific rating or time that must be weird as well because how do you compare how you feel one week to the other is Mm. it some kind of subject elite chart or something that you can use better data for because it's pretty simple. It's called they, it's, it's called in sports science the rating of perceived exertion. So yeah, if okay. you one to ten, RPE, the Borg scale. Been, yeah, if if you use Strava, they've got a really handy thing on the on the. You put your session in, and then it's like, how does this session feel? The intensity like, of it, yeah. Moderate, yeah. How how hard is it? And what's been proven is, despite all of the measurements that we can make in sports science of the body and everything, the best overall measurement of like how hard an athlete is working at any point in time is to ask them. How hard do you think you work? Yeah. Because we got, yeah. got tools that measure wattage, heart rate, pace. Uh, Speaking to the mic. Yeah. We can we measure everything in training, but even even the top coaches will still go back to asking on an RPE, like to gauge. Yeah. Really? Yep. So basically, just your, your own personal yep. feeling, your yeah. perception. So the goal yeah. of an athlete, and this is one thing I'm reading a great book at the moment called "How Bad You Want It," mm. and the goal of any race or any it's athlete is pictures. <laughs> <laughs> to lower your perception of effort in the race. And yeah. any way you can oh, do yeah, any, yeah. any way you can do that, obviously training is one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, caffeine supplementation, hydration is one of those things. Steroids. Like, talking steroids, EPO, <laughs> the Tour de France. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Lance. if your what happens physiologically to the heart and your heart rate and blood pressure as you dehydrate, because I've looked at two of my races that are the same course very similar conditions. One when I was dehydrated and then one when I was well hydrated. And I'll just notice that my, when I was dehydrated, my pace slowed and my heart rate increased. Uh, and then when I was well yeah, hydrated- exactly what you- Yeah, yeah and when I was- exactly wo- what you'll see. You, yeah. They'll decouple from each other. So as, you, as your effort goes up, normally your heart rate will go up and as it comes down, it goes down. As you get more dehydrated, you've got less blood because as we said earlier, you, you're losing blood it. volume when you sweat. So your heart has to work harder. So you, if you see a decoupling where normally I'm running at eight minutes a mile and of, you know, whatever it is, five minutes a K and my heart rate is, is like 140, but then all of a sudden it starts to go 145, 150 and you're at the same pace, then that can be a sign that you're mm. getting dehydrated. So I get so a lot of my guys to compare their runs. So mm-hmm. look at a run, look at a race or look at a sporting event where you can try and get very similar data mm-hmm. and then was one higher, one lower, and mine was significantly 
when I'm still hydrated, my heart rate, my pace slowed, my heart rate increased, and then when I was well hydrated using the, the pH stuff, my heart rate stayed exactly the same for the same pace. Mm-hmm. Um, what which guys are this? <coughs> are you running a secret coaching business I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> you know I work in some professional <laughs> sport, right? Brainy shit staring you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but I think I think what all of that shows is that, you know, there's it's a really important part of the discussion because sports science can overtake people who don't understand it from outside of coaching and sport, especially when they first come into sport, assume that there's a bunch of people who work in it who know exactly what they're doing and can work out the exact numbers and just tell you what to do and you'll do it right. And then when you get look under the hood you realise that all of that stuff, when you can get all this data on sweat or heart rate or power or any of it all of it basically is just information that can nudge you into becoming better at reading your own body because when you're out there what the best athletes in the world do you look at Elliot Kipchoge running the marathon mm. um, not the marathons like the breaking two one where he is running you know with paces and all that sort of been a normal marathon he's just he's just like he hasn't got a watch on or anything like that he's just listening to his body and at every point in time, like making decisions about how he feels, how the guys around him are responding, like listening to people's breathing, listening to his own breathing and figuring out how to get the absolute maximum out of himself at that point in time. And he is, he, like any other top athlete, is like ultimately amazing at that because it's what they spend all their life doing. And those of us that come to sport, like from a different angle or if you're new to it, you've got to do your apprenticeship of like, going out and being mindful and listening to your body when you're running okay and putting two and two together because at first it is really difficult to know whether your performance is cratering at the end of a long run because you're glycogen depleted or you're dehydrated or you're low on sodium or you're just tired because you run too fast or, or whatever but over time you build up a perception and you know these guys will be able to tell you Cameron you know if Corey's out on a bike ride he'll be able to tell you if his power starts dropping like is this because he needs to eat more carbs or is it because and he's run out or is it because he's getting thirsty and dehydrated and those di- those subtle differences start to become apparent and mm. you become better at you become better at then adjusting either your inputs or your pace or whatever to to get it to get it right can you come back from dehydration like once like branch yeah. is, branch is probably going to dehydrate let's be honest like and like that's not just branch that's everyone will will dehydrate yeah. over the race is there a point where you can't get back to hydrate is it just too far gone and will de- does dehydration automatically result in me cramping because that's my biggest fear in the race not being able to finish because of cramping in calves or something yeah but you didn't <coughs> listen before it's not it can help not cramping but it's not proven what what causes it yeah. yeah okay you know okay yeah i would say i would say if you stay so to answer that question first if you stay well well hydrated and get enough salts in during the race then the chances of cramping dramatically decrease you know you're more you're far less likely to yeah cramp. you can never rule it out but you, you're way more likely to kind of get that yeah get that right um when it comes to like Corey's question about can you come back from dehydration i would say there's obviously like a a point where if you get so severely dehydrated you're not coming back you know you're going to be walking and it's all over but in a long in a long ultra race when you're so it's probably easier to come back counterintuitively to come back from dehydration in a long race than it is in a short race Mm -hmm. because if you get dehydrated in a shorter race it's likely to have happened faster because your sweat rate is going to be way higher your pace is higher and you've not got time to do anything about it you basically hit the wall and that's it Mm-hmm. Whereas in a long race, if you start to get progressively dehydrated, and this has happened to me in a race where 
you know, I've dropped a bottle and then you've, so you've, you know that you're going to get dehydrated because you've got a long way to go to the next aid station. You can slow your pace though. And you've got long enough to sort of then gradually take your time, slow down a little bit, rehydrate and get back into it and you can come back. So it depends a bit on the situation, but I would say in, if you're being, and the better you are at being mindful about your body, the less likely you are that you're going to get too far dehydrated before you realize it and start to take to take action. Is that, um, I I have no idea, I haven't looked into this, so you guys could either laugh or fucking you point me in the right direction, but gels and those sorts of things, is that help? Is that what I see them having at force? Is that like replacing certain supplements? Uh, That's sodium? energy. So they're trying to replace <coughs> energy like carbohydrates. Okay. They're yeah. trying to limit the depletion of carbohydrates mm-hmm. over a race, mm-hmm. which is yeah. another sign of fatigue. And there, it's just more, yeah. is it, it gets to the body quicker? Is that, is that why it's in gel form or? <coughs> yeah, it's easily easily digestible. So you've got, if you want to really boil it down to the simple facts, you've, you've got three things that you need. The costs of doing an endurance activity is carbohydrate calories and you need a certain amount roughly per hour to keep yourself going at whatever pace it is for whatever duration mm-hmm. you need a certain amount of fluid per hour based on your how much you're losing in your sweat and you you might need a certain amount of sodium per hour in relation to that fluid mm-hmm. if you get those three factors right it sort of doesn't matter and and if you get your pacing right it kind of doesn't matter what else you do you're going to have a good day you know it's that's when you when you cut down all the all the bs and all the noise that's the th- that's the things that matter right. can, can i ask a quick question mm. uh and it's not sport related it's, it's with drinking alcohol and hangovers have we spoke about this no yeah. good question okay um i saw some studies there's a few different trains of thought but they were saying that the sodium depletion and your body and your salts depletion is what causes a hangover but have you done any um studies on that i know it's not sports related but it's alcohol makes you dehydrated is there a magic serum that you can produce that will uh, <laughs> replace it or reduce the effects of being hung. It'd do hungover. well in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, like you said, um, you lose a lot of, you get dehydrated when you drink a lot of alcohol because it's a diuretic, so it causes your kidneys to pee more, so you do lose a lot more salt. And then... And so self-respect, obviously usually. Obviously, like a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a strong a really strong electrolyte drink can help counteract that so there's definitely we we hear reports from people and we always do a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of promotion on the products around christmas and new years and that sort of thing because the stronger product that we make the ph 1500 is probably you know if you are going to go out and have a few drinks having one of those before you go and having one if you can remember to when you stagger back in before you go to sleep should make you feel a bit a bit better because from that respect, the, the dehydration should be counteracted a little bit. Mm-hmm. And was it but vitamin it's not, B or something that was important for that? Is that ringing any bells? No, that's Big Mac. <laughs> Big, <laughs> Big Mac, Mac. Big Mac. Yeah. and pH 1500, <laughs> hangover gone. Yeah, because yeah. um, we've spoken about electrolytes. Is there any uh, benefit to vitamins? Like you see 50 Cent had vitamin water. Is there anything behind that or is that just all a gimmick? That's large. That, I. I think that largely is a gimmick. I think vitamins are mega important, but as long as you get, you most people will be getting those from their diet. Yeah. I mean, there's a the, there's a big debate about vitamin D at the moment and whether a lot of us get enough of that, especially in the winter if you're spending time indoors because you get your body synthesizes that from sunlight, and you can supplement with it, and that's supposed to have a lot of beneficial effects. But for most people, if you're eating a good diet, then you're not going to need to take like vitamin infused water and, and probably the type of vitamin water that they're promoting is not even a good source of you know, like meaningful amounts of vitamins. It is more of a, 
a marketing claim, really. Have you seen it's, the new AMV product, Andy? The vitamin D one? Amp, no, I've not seen that Sorry, one. Amp Human? Amp Human. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, seen, I've seen it around. I've not, I've not, I've not read into it enough to sort yeah, of neither, like make any strong neither have I. Just, we were talking with the, one of the guys running the expo and it's a new product they got going and just you mentioned vitamin D and it's, they've got it in a cream. Yeah, Vit D seems to be one where there's like a decent amount of research being done and papers coming out that point to the fact that actually it, it might be a really useful supplement for for everyone, not just athletes. Yeah, I've been looking at a lot of vitamin D on Pornhub. Um, <laughs> so much research on there. But with vitamins, don't isn't it sometimes they need to be coupled with other vitamins to be able to help absorb those vitamins more well, efficiently? Well, go back to hydration. Is it with a bit of because you got sugar in the sachets, so in the yeah. sachets that you guys sell, there's sugar attached to them. They're obviously for like a race day per se. Not so for your Big Mac fries. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's nothing better than a Big Mac after a big night. Yeah. Let me tell you. No. Um, yeah. So is there is there anything research behind obviously having sugar with the sodium in terms of drawing it into the cell? Because for every gram of carbohydrate, yeah. you need what three mils of water from memory. Yeah. You. So when you put when you put sodium and glucose in the gut together, which you do in a sports drink, which has got a lot of sodium and some sugar in it, the glucose and the sodium work together to transit through the gut into the body and pull water with it. So it's like the way the way we describe it to people is literally like if you just drink water, it will move through the gut in one way, through one channel. And it's like going to the supermarket and the, there's one checkout open and then you start taking some sodium and glucose with it and it's another checkout lane that's open and you get more through in the same amount of time. Yep. So you, you can like enhance the, the, the water absorption by having salt and, and um, glucose in your, in your drink. And that's what, so you guys in Oz have, uh, I think it's called Hydrolyte. Yeah, it's yeah, like a yeah. popular product yeah i had some before we can rehydration when kids are sick or when people are dehydrated that work that works on the same principle yeah we had the rotness swim yep on the weekend 19 kilometers 20 kilometers swim um open water what what do swimmers do for hydration it's probably a question that uh, we work with some swimmers at ai and i know that um we've got a couple of coaches who work at ai and Mm, um like triathletes obviously we swim in the ocean a fair bit um does osmosis come into play there where you salt content obviously skin's the largest organ is there any like for, for open water swimmers what strategy do they have in terms of hydration for for open water swimmers a lot of the time they have to really make sure they do sort of optimize their hydration before they start because if the events are of a certain length you just you don't get a chance to take a drink at all if you're in the ocean you you obviously can't drink the water you don't gain anything by sort of like being in the water because as we all know you can it's very easy to die of dehydration out at sea um, because you're you're surrounded by water that you can't drink so prehydration becomes really important and then there's like a tactical decision point at which it's like well when does the race get long enough that dehydration is going to matter so much that stopping with a support boat to grab a quick drink is going to make sense and that's yeah. kind of then becomes a tactical decision yeah because the race this rotto swim is a 20 kilometer swim from our shore to uh, an island um and it's seven eight hours for most of the competitors and you sweat more because there's a threat of being eaten alive by a wild animal <laughs> yeah. so just, just yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say that didn't that didn't sound like the best place to go <laughs> no it's not fun it's it, I, yeah, what I know that area yeah 
They're, is like, it? they're just, like school buses with teeth. I'm just, <laughs> I'm interested. Has there ever been an attack at the Rotten Swim? They got called off two years ago, remember? Yeah, they, they cancelled it. Too because and they did cancel the Lion Man Swim because of shark sightings as well yeah. a couple mm. of years ago. I mean, uh, that just interests me because there's so many people in the water and no one's ever been attacked. There wasn't any sightings this year, thank yeah. God. It's probably because there's so much commotion. They like Yeah, would that be, but would that... Anyway. Let's speak to our <laughs> hydration expert about our sharks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question, Andy. Uh, dehydration and cognitive function effects. Yeah. Oh, Good yeah. Fuck yeah. I think every student yeah, I teach is dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> there's, been some, there's been some studies of that done on things like car drivers and that sort of thing. If, if, you, if you definitely measure someone as being significantly dehydrated, there's cognitive impairments for sure. Yep. The, one of the arguments that goes against those studies is that quite often in order to like create an amount of dehydration in, in someone, they either put them in a sauna or they give them a, a, a diuretic so they can lose X amount of body weight in terms of fluid. And then, then that person is like measurably dehydrated. But the argument is that if you, if you put people in normal life, people don't tend to be severely dehydrated most of the time mm. because as soon as you as soon as you give them free access to water people will drink if they're thirsty and maintain their hydration <clears throat> so there is i think on a physiological level it's true if you're if you become seriously dehydrated and we see it one of the interesting ones actually is in ultra runners where you get a lot of reports later on in races especially if it's like rocky and technical people say oh they trip over more they catch their toes or they lose coordination and that can be a sign of dehydration and electrolyte depletion. Well, the reason but for my, I would say... Sorry. Yeah. The reason for my question no, there is like you put our construction workers in the sun in our harsh climate and then they work all day and they're working with power tools, walking on roofs. I just... They'd be a genius in England with their weather. They'd yeah. be like <laughs> right on the ball, just in the cold, in the yeah. rain. I do have a question that would affect, I feel like, 99% of... Uh, the people listening, coffee and its effects on oh, hydration. Good question. Diuretic. And can I jump on that with because we are fake news? We've hit a few um, fake, like, uh, what's the word? Mis myths, misconceptions. So if there's any other misconceptions that we've missed out on um, that spring to yeah. mind as well, that'd be good. Hmm. Yeah, ca caffeine's an interesting one because it was, it, caffeine is a diuretic. So when you have, when you have a level of caffeine, it causes you to pee more than you otherwise would. So you effectively lose fluid from the body so for, for a long time the, the theme the, the theme of the research was like if you drink coffee you know it will dehydrate you ultimately mm -hmm. but that's the, the pendulum has swung a little bit on that to the point now where people were saying well coffee obviously has a high water content and if you if you're habituated to drinking it so you're quite used to drinking it every day the the total amount of water that you lose through peeing out because of the diuretic effect is less than what you gain from drinking the coffee so at, at worst you might be like net even and at, at best you might actually still be getting more hydrated I heard it stimulates fat burning cells yeah I think there's, there is so <coughs> caffeine can help to mobilise fatty acids for, for burning during exercise yeah, it and helps, stuff, and helps that's lipolysis so small, yeah it's a yeah. small sort of ergogenic effect but I think for the average person, like drinking a cup of coffee isn't going to make a, if they're not training, especially, it's not going to make a vast difference to the amount of fat that they burn. What about colour um, of urine? Does colour. So you're going to say of, of people. <laughs> <laughs> no, what about colour? Well, that, that was, that's not very fair, Corey. <laughs> no, colour of urine. Does that make a difference? Yeah. You peanuts. Yeah. If, 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 
people, a lot of athletes have been brought up on the idea that if your pee is clear, then you're well hydrated. If it's yellow or dark, then you're not. And it's not always true. So it's an indicator because the concentration of your urine is determined by your kidneys that's monitoring the level of fluid in the body. And it tends to concentrate your urine when you've got less fluid on board. So you're becoming dehydrated. And mm-hmm. if you've got an excess, then it will kick it out. The thing is, because we drink diuretics, we take vitamin pills with, that colour your pee and all these sort of things. There's a lot of things that can confuse that. So often what what we recommend to athletes is, is like, if you want to assess whether you're well hydrated or not, the best time to do that is first thing in the morning. When you get up and the first pee of the day that you have is usually the most reliable indicator of your hydration status. Yeah. But beyond that, as soon as you get up and start having a tea or coffee or having something to drink, then it, it kind of throws it off balance so the, the big indicator for if you're dehydrated as an athlete is if you wake up in the morning if you're feeling thirsty if your pee is dark and also if you weigh yourself regularly if your body weight is a little bit down um, because all of those three things combined would indicate a very strong likelihood that you're dehydrated but wouldn't you but on their own sorry keep going i was just gonna say on their own one of those factors is less reliable than if you've got all three so overnight, don't you dehydrate naturally? Is that am I right or wrong there? Yeah, we stop pissing the bed though now. We're so, adults, bro, so. <laughs> but so how would you? <laughs> Most of us have. So yeah. is, <laughs> does this does this mean you you need to hydrate correctly prior to going to sleep, or is it just you have a, a bottle of water next to you in bed? Is it what's or yeah? It's okay. Yeah, you can still pee the bed. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be natural to actually lose a bit. You 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 definitely lose a bit of of um, you know fluid overnight because you're still your, your, your metabolism's still running but it's not a huge amount so for most people as long as you go to bed reasonably well hydrated just drinking normally and then if you do a lot of people do have a glass of water by their bed or whatever because yeah if you wake up and you're thirsty then that's a good sign that you need to drink some more but okay. I don't think you need to worry about it too much more than like it doesn't need a, it doesn't need a special tactic or strategy it's just you know it's funny talking about really. the colour of urine because <laughs> We got the SADA testers here and there's one guy that regularly comes and he, his job is to stand there and watch you piss with your pants around your ankles. Imagine going to uni for six years. And he's looking over your shoulder and he's, he's staring at you and he always, always tries and tell you, like gives you an estimation on your hydration. <laughs> really? <laughs> always tries to tell you on the colour of your pee how he thinks you are wow. doing. <laughs> Guess it passes the time if yeah. that's your job. Oh, it's like have you, you've looked at a few samples, have you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> have for the everyday person, should they be taking electrolytes throughout the day? Like, is there like, do you recommend someone take a salt tablet throughout the day? I think if if you live in if you live in a hot climate and are pretty active, there's probably no harm in doing that. But not if a, you if you're in yeah. colder if you're colder conditions if you're in colder conditions and you're working indoors and not particularly active it's it you'll get the electrolytes you need from your food so i would say it's sort of it's in proportion to those things like if i if i travel from the uk to florida or go out to asia or something like that i'll even if i'm not training for the first few days i'll take electrolyte tablets because your sweat rate just goes up just walking around and getting used to humidity we actually had a good question from a client your mate Yep. Uh, Mike, regarding can you have too much? Like, is there any negative effects? This I, th- pro- I think his question was about um, salt intake and heart arteries and stuff. And we were, it was broken down to us about the co- the two parts of the sodium and the salt, the chloride and the sodium. Well, like an overdose on 
Well, yeah, he was saying like... No, about it being healthy for your heart, you uh, know, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you have too much sodium? Yeah. Because doctors have said lower your sodium for for heart rates, right? Yeah, this is what... Yeah, Yeah, I think that's because for a lot of people, the amount of sodium that you get in your diet vastly outweighs what what you need. And then there are theories that that can drive your blood pressure up and cause all sorts of other downstream problems. But for athletes, it can almost be the opposite problem if you... Because the amount of sweating that you do... You, you are probably as likely to be not meeting your sodium needs as you are to be meeting them if you're in a, a hot climate. So it's, it's, it's literally, I think, as simple as if you, if you sweat out more, you need more. If you sweat out less, you need less. It just so happens that the, for 98% of the population, the message is less because th- these are people who aren't actively doing a lot of sweating. And the two parts to the sodium that you talked about earlier, it's only one of that that's uh, like not good for the heart, eh? So sodium is the one that, that is more influential on driving your blood pressure up. Yep. So that's why that gets talked about more than the chloride. Yep. Cool. Um, not long to go. Uh, Branchy's just returning. Um, from uh, defeating... From, 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 what what colour was it, mate? Yeah. It was clear. It's yeah. clear. Yeah. yeah. So hydrated. Um, yeah, well, I've, I've, actually, I would suggest that I've... Because I've drank that whole one and a half litre. What? All that? Or whatever. What's this? Two litres? mate. One point five liter. That's a lot of water in this time we've been speaking. So that's that's not the good sort of hydration nah, we're talking it's about. Hyper, that's classic hydration. Yeah. So yeah. is it uh, maybe so drinking slower works better? Is that what it is like drinking just in general drinking slower? Drinking slower was that sorry? Yeah. So drink- yeah. Um, there's when when you if you t- if you're talking about during a. a a marathon or or during or during a sporting event or whatever there's been a little bit of research on whether it's better to drink little and often or drink lots infrequently there's not a lot of difference between the two the, the main difference is that if you drink a lot in one go it can make your stomach feel quite bloated and uncomfortable mm-hmm. but at the same time there is a little bit of evidence to say that it stretches your stomach a bit so you you get the fluid like empties faster from the stomach into the gut so you might uptake it a bit faster but i reckon that's I think that's all kind of in the noise. And if you're trying to drink, for example, half a litre an hour during a run, mm-hmm. you, you're just as well spreading it out at 100, 200 mil every so often as opposed to like trying to obviously smash half a litre all in one go, which which will probably just leave you feeling a bit bloated for a few minutes. So is there anything that athletes can drink to prevent um, tampering with urine samples or <laughs> getting rid of marijuana as Willie Rioli has just, <laughs> yeah, he just found out, he just got off, which yeah. is amazing. So that would be... Is there anything you can drink to clear substances that shouldn't be in your body? Yeah, what's the dodgy way we can get FIFO, past We should be answering this question. Yes, well, we FIFO should. workers take um, stuff to cl- cleanse their body, right? Why would they take that? Well, <laughs> allegedly, that's, that's FIFO right. workers. So they can keep their job. And I don't know how, I don't know how safe that is because they're, they're, they're doing, oh, man, I'll just take a cleanse thing, allegedly. And then, yeah, I don't know if they're just peeing absolutely everything they can or is there something to it? probably just diuretics of right. some sort because that's that's why diuretics got banned for yeah. use in sport to begin with not because of the not because of losing fluid but because they were being used to mask the use of other drugs so gotcha. ironically ah. you might get if the diuretics show up in the urine you might get pinged for that anyway so mm. it's all it's all a bit dodgy what do you got cory no i was just i'm Pretty much, I'm pretty much satisfied. But in terms of like, <laughs> <laughs> I love this shit. What love, have you been doing? I love this shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just been <laughs> relieving himself of other minerals and fluids under the table. <laughs> um, 
any advice, like, I guess, like over your long career, like is there anything like you would sort of impart onto us and people listening that you would, you know, yeah, give advice on in terms of hydration? I just think that the bit that we touched on about like using data sensibly, like learning to sweat, learning your sweat rate, learning your sodium composition, all of those things are useful and important. But ultimately, it's like learning to understand your body and being mindful about how your body feels and relating that back to what you've been eating, what you've been drinking, that sort of stuff. That's the skill that, that is, it can be frustrating, but it takes time to develop. But when you get a good handle on that, and when you become really good at managing that intuitively when you're training and racing, then that's when you know you've kind of, that's when you've got it cracked and that's when you get your, the best out of yourself. So don't, I would say like use the data and, and all of that early on to help guide you in the right direction, but then don't be afraid to do quite a lot of trial and error and bounce, bounce your ideas off people like yourselves who've got some experience in this space and treat it as a, a long-term learning experience, not as a, like you can't come to someone like us or go and see you guys for a quick hydration fix. There's no sort of like one magic bullet piece of information that's going to help. But if you learn about the basics and educate yourself over time, you'll, you'll become better at executing it and, and overall, you know, win out. There is a magic sachet though, however. Right. There is, and we do sell them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we got involved with PH just because me and an athlete did a, a big order. Um, it was kind of a random thing, wasn't it, Andy? Like, I guess for us, yeah, we ordered I think it's seven hundred bucks worth of their products. This, so this is before we even teamed up with them, and mm. he reached out. I was like, "What are you guys buying so much PH?" I'm like, "Because the shit works." And yeah. I'd, I need some. Hot, and I guess the biggest thing for people is that. In a, in a tablet that these guys provide or um, in the, one of the sachets, you're mm. getting up to, you're getting 1,500 milligrams of sodium up in a litre of bottle. You need six Powerades to, to get that much sodium um, and you can't drink six Powerades in <coughs> an hour. So. But I've also been confronted with the question that, oh, why don't I just get the Everlessence tablets from Aldi? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you'd need a whole entire tube, tube yeah. to even get. And so don't support the Germans yeah. either. So these are these are things that I'm going to need <laughs> for my yeah, run. Well, like you need a drink. You oh. actually need 20 of the tablets mm-hmm. to even get to a 1500 supplement. Oh no, sorry, but, but you would pH. recommend me oh, use. Like, yeah. like, would would so you recommend me use it just in general day to day life? Yeah, like in a, on a hot day, like Andy said, like if yeah. you're moving around more out in the But I did the ultra. Well, I did 50k ultra on the beach mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of mine four weeks ago, and. I had heaps of sachets obviously in the back, but I had the sugar sachets because mm-hmm. I wanted to refuel carbs and sodium throughout the race. Um, and a sign for me was looking at my heart rate throughout the race and also the fact that my last 10 kilometers of the run with my fastest 10 kilometers. So the last, from 40 Ks to 50 Ks, mm-hmm. they were my best Ks. Um, it hurt, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and I was Is in that because you went too slow at the start? He <laughs> walked the first 40. I did, yeah, I did walk, I got actually rode the first 40. Yeah. Um, no, I did want to have a negative split and I did time my run and pace my run. And that's going back to what Andy said is that know your body, know what you can do um, and then you know, execute the plan. Effectively. Walk and so, run 10Ks. Yeah, walk and run 10Ks. Is there anything in the name PH reflecting acidity or is that just pure coincidence? Like, Sorry, say again, mate. The, with your name, the PH, has there been any link between acidity and alkalinity with that? Is that a thing on purpose or is that just a no, convinced no, coincidence? No, no, it's just... It's just um, it's just initials, and we've sold we sold a t-shirt and a hat recently to a, a mate of mine called Pete Holiday because nice. he loved it. He loved the brand. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, with that, is this a myth? Uh, people say, "Oh, your body has to be alkaline, or your blood is alkaline or acidic." Is that bullshit? Are we always at neutral? Mm. 
you're you're not always at neutral, but different. The the body has exquisite sort of like mechanisms to control acid base balance, and as long as you give it like anywhere close to normal inputs, the body sorts itself out yeah. on that. So you see all those products. Oh, this is alkaline water. water. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, a lot of that is gen- generally a lot of BS. Gimmicky, really. yeah. I always thought of creating a brand of water called Holy Water and then 10% <laughs> goes towards helping like wholesome causes. That's really good. Yeah. That's really <laughs> clever. <laughs> Just to make money for myself though. <laughs> like 90% to me, 10% to something nice. Classic. How yeah. long does Andy have? That's uh, called manipulation. It? Yeah. <laughs> Marketing. Probably yeah. one more question. Yeah. One more question. Well, he has a long time. He's been drinking precision water. He's got He's lots hydrated. of years left. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I have some more questions that I want to ask you two, but we can talk about that after him. Uh, is there anything you, you guys specifically think that the listeners might learn, uh, benefit from, from knowing? Maybe recovery in terms of hydration for recovery. Oh, I would really like to know about this, actually. Like, especially like multiple bout sports. Um, like we've got guys who, you know, I guess, probably two parts. One, the recovery quickly, uh, if you can. And then you mentioned shorter sports. So is it worth, do you need to hydrate for something that's less than an hour? Like, mm. is it worth, you know, really hydrating up? Surely. I lose three litres in F45, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk about F45. Oh, you can't believe you brought F45 up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking F45. Yeah. I lost three kilos every time I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this podcast is brought to you, but... Like, pre and post hydration is sort of like, it, they're two sides of the same coin, really, because before exercise, if you... This, this sort of standard prescription we give people is, is to take about half a litre of a really strong electrolyte drink. So the one we make is the pH 1500. You have half a litre of that in the hour or two before you go and do your session, before your short session. That makes sure that you're fully topped up, but you're not going to be running to the toilet and just peeing the whole time because you've smashed a load of water. And then on after the session or after the shorter event, then doing the same again. So like half a litre of pH 1500, the extra sodium has been shown in loads of studies and through practical experience that if you rehydrate with more sodium after activity, you rehydrate faster, you pee less. So it's it's really crucial if you're going to be doing like two training sessions in a day or back-to-back heavy days of training to, to rehydrate more aggressively like that. And that makes so so it's kind of the same strategy that you'd use before you'd use afterwards to prepare and also rehydrate. And if, if people are mega interested in that, we've got a blog on our website, which is called How to Start Hydrated, which kind of breaks that protocol down. And that's well worth a read. Awesome. Brent, yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, so is there, actually, while we've still got you, um, maybe we should plug, because we've got the discount code. Um, yeah. Um, and we can talk about that. We'll talk about that in the preamble as well. But we'll might as, while we've got you on, we've got a discount code for hard yarns. The, yeah, hard yarns. Not the hard yarns. It's just hard yarns. Yep. Um, and that gives you a fifteen percent discount on the product. Um, and we'll add links and stuff into to our posts and stuff. But is that through? Uh, or Corey, maybe you're better to explain the. Yeah, well, that's through Precision Hydration's website. Um, <coughs> yeah, and I guess as well, like jumping on their site, and you can actually do. Um, around the, you can do like a quick assessment of your sweat rate because I noticed that when I finished a race I was covered in salt stains um, okay. that's how I sort of prompted it and I heard Andy on a podcast prior um, but yeah jump on their website and you can do some stuff obviously if you're in Perth then you come to AI and myself and Blake and BK Performance will we'll look after you yep. and cool. if you 
covered in some other stuff like vomit, go to AA and get that sorted. <laughs> yeah. And then go to AI. Yeah, don't come to AI. Yeah. Don't come to us. Cool. Uh, before you leave us, uh, just uh, if you want to plug some of your socials and, and your website and, and how people get in touch with you. Yeah, the big one for us is hitting the website, precisionhydration.com. We've got a good knowledge center blog on there that you can search for lots of like topics on hydration. We're big on the educational piece. We're on the usual social channels at Precision Hydration. And I think except for on Twitter where we're at the sweat experts. And if anyone's got questions, you know, definitely go direct to Corey and Blake if you're if you're local to, to Perth and, and that area come to us if you've got any questions as well and we've got a whole team back in the uk that are that are online a lot of the time answering those we can book one-to-one video calls with people in ours as well we've got sweat testing available on the gold coast um and also with phil young and also in sydney with shane hannah so if if anyone wants information about that because they're listening from a different part of the country then just hit the website or email us on hello at precisionhydration.com and we'll, we'll get back to you. Everyone will be working through from home with the lockdown over there as well, eh? So you get pretty quick response with, <laughs> yeah. with everybody being stuck Absolutely, indoors. Yeah. So yeah, commitment to the customer. To do, so email us, yeah. yeah. I, right. gave, I gave the ready, set, go guys a plug, shared their post and, yeah. and then I got like three inboxes like, what are you doing sharing something? Don't you sell that? And I'm like, yeah, in a different state. <laughs> it's okay. You can't test everyone that comes from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, cheers. This has been our very first Zoom podcast. So um, for the listeners, I don't know how it's gone um, and we'll continue chatting after. But, yeah, we really appreciate you coming in all the way from England. and um, at First international. International, our first international yeah. guest. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Ticking some boxes. No, from the motherland. Thanks, Thanks for the invite, lads. And uh, I, I hopefully, because we we do a visit to Perth at some point once all this lockdown rubbish finishes, so we'll come and see you. Yeah, make sure you hydrate. Oh, it's really hot over here, man. It's, it's hot over here. <laughs> it's if you uh, need any tablets, just swing past AI. <laughs> <laughs> Full probably, price. We'll yeah. probably give you five percent yeah. off. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's very kind. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, I, I guess we, we hang up on. <laughs> I'm not sure how we do it. Yeah, but yeah. Cheers, Eddie. Bye. See you, See you, mate. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Um, so that was actually really good. Like, uh, I didn't feel it too much of a delay. I heard a little buzz in my head. Yeah. That was, uh, was that like just a really low one? Yeah. So I d- yeah. I'm not sure how that'll come across. We'll, we'll have a listen in, uh, in post. Can, but you can you edit that or not? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But um, it is, uh, we we'll quickly, before we touch on a few other couple of little things, it is the first podcast in the this studio, hub. in yeah. the pod hub. Yeah. What do yeah. you guys well think? Well 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 Thanks, Lance. It's not your first business venture. It's not... That's my fifth or sixth, right? Sorry, one that's worked. Sorry. It's it's so um, it's the first time sick, Corey. Right? It hasn't worked yet. Yeah. Oh, no, this is first time. Yeah. It's not um it's not complete. Like we've got a, a bit to do. Like even the the arms and stuff for the mic stands and stuff are, are not finished. But um, we can give Wolfie a shout out for having a messy divorce. So we've got heaps of uh, <laughs> heaps of awesome expensive equipment. Man, that artwork he was saying was like a thousand bucks or something. Man. Yeah, he picked that up in Germany or something like that. Yeah. I think just some random street art. Yeah. So um, I'll from take, Aldi. I'll take no. that with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, did the mics just get better? I feel uh, like things sound Maybe. better. Maybe it's the no. buzz is gone. The buzz is gone. Um, I don't know if that will come through in post, but yeah, regardless, there was a bit of a buzz in our ears. Um, bit of buzz so, about precision and hydration as well, mate. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. So I wanted to ask you two quickly. Um, I listened to the Reapers podcast the other day and they had that ultramarathon 
uh, well, he's a doctor who's done ultra marathons, and he was talking about the fact that he very rarely runs long distances in preparation for his ultras, and he just he he does his five ten k's, but he does it quite often um, yeah. in preparation. Is that a way you can prepare for something well, like there that? There are many ways to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely one, and I guess running ultras, like from my experience, to my first one, like I said a month ago, mm-hmm. you can't do much running afterwards. Like it just creates so much residual fatigue. Wow, like okay. A lot of fatigue. But were you um, pushing yourself or were you just taking it easier to finish it? I, look, I, I took it easier to finish it. Yeah. Because um, I didn't want to I didn't want to walk. I wanted to finish strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I for me it was... Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're, having a, we're having a side conversation here which we're not invited to, don't we? Yeah. Um, a little private yeah. dialogue. So yeah, anyway, um, what was the question? <laughs> the Oh uh, yeah, the, the short, the doctor short running. Oh yeah, runs. Uh, he would accumulate volume mm-hmm. shorter and sharper over a week by doing probably more runs. Doing training for an ultra is like Ironman. You wouldn't do an Ironman in preparation for an Ironman. Mm-hmm. You, you do the components of it. You break it down. You compartmentalize it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so there's definitely a way of achieving it. But I think... Um, you train for all of yours at 4 by 20 minutes, eh? All 4 by 20 minutes. Everything. My power 20, is through the roof. I did 4 by 10s the other day, 4 by 15s the other day. Okay. Branchy's always training 420. Yeah, I've been off a while, off that for a while. But the, um, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? So if I was to, for example, do five, five Ks in a week, then it's only 25 Ks. But is it is that good? Is that beneficial for an 80 kilometer run? I would say it, you're getting the aerobic stimulus five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're getting that benefit. But in turn, I, I would think you need to, like we had a conversation with a, a exercise physiologist the other day. You don't build the resilience. So when the run gets hard, mm-hmm. when your legs and your quads are hurting, mm. you haven't experienced that pain before. Yeah. So you need to, in training, like I said before, you want to lower your perception of effort. I was going to say, is that the mental side yeah, of Yeah, so well. from a mental standpoint, you want to run long distance, understand what it feels like to run on tired legs, uh, and run on sore legs. You're not going to get that in a 5K run. So that's where I would say that is a flawed mentality. And the guys run ultra, so it's different. You haven't run one before. Mm. So you haven't got that yeah. experience to draw upon in terms of like my legs are going to be so sore in that last 20, 30 Ks. So I think you need to do a couple of long runs where you just go out. It's, yeah. not, it's not for physiological benefit. It's for mental benefit. How long? For me, I'd be like, fuck that. I'm <laughs> done, man. This yeah, is going to yeah. hurt. I didn't, I didn't realize as well, sorry, that Blake has to go. So um, either we, we might as well just sort of this, wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. This is yeah. the last one. But yeah, I think um, look, you want to get up to a three or four hour run at least, like mm-hmm. as a minimum. Like you want to get to that point where you've run 30, 35, 40 Ks okay. and, and understand what it feels like to mm-hmm. hurt because it's going to hurt for 40 Ks after that. Yeah. So that's my So if I, if, if I was to just... Uh, slowly build up over the next com- couple of weeks. Do like a twenty k uh, yes. next week, um, and and then maybe and a thirty k the and week. And obviously after that run, so I'd build up to like a probably a thirty or forty k run in five or six weeks time. Mm-hmm. And obviously that would be your peak week yep. prior to the event. And you would sort of have a couple of days of rest afterwards. Yep. And then you would introduce some more running at a lower volume. And um, um, when does he start F forty five? When does he start training? He, he can do that. Um, I, there, there, there's many ways to skin a cat, and that's definitely not a good one. Um, that was a way to skin a fat for me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's better ways. There's proper strength training and polymetric training would definitely help. But I've yeah. just realised that um, we have another team here that we converse in in hard yards oh, games. Yeah, we'll smash him at golf. <laughs> I'm horrendous. I'll, I'm keeping so shit. I'm Did the, I beat you I'm, the I'm other day? I'm the current champion at AI. Mate. Uh, team you for golf it wouldn't be hard so I, I, did you see this team, I played I'm the golf. current golf champion nice so uh, I beat him the first time there was no championship sounds like there's a golf sounds like there's a golf war here eh? there is a golf war we <laughs> went for his birthday yeah. two years ago or and last year I won who won the last competition Corey Blake 
<laughs> yeah, but that's it. I'll catch you but, guys. Later. <laughs> but I played I played golf against you the other day, and you were horrific, horrendous, yeah, horrific. Yeah. yeah, okay, good seeing you. Um, uh, cheers for coming today, Blake. Cheers for yes. coming. Um, Corey, to get a hold of, eh? Corey, I want to get on a nutritionist next. Yes. <laughs> so I think that can be your next one in maybe three or four weeks. See you, Balake. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe a nutritionist next or someone like that. I think is I think people will be interested in. Um, and we'll try about and a naturopath. It. I heard they're good. Yeah, it depends. Oh, look, in every profession, there's good and bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, appreciate you coming on. We'll stick around um, and have a chat after. But uh, is there anything you want to plug from your point of view? No, look, I just think it, I always have the same conversation with athletes. It depends how serious you are with your training. Mm-hmm. will depend on what you want to put into it. So if you really want to know, I, I'm a person who likes numbers, so I want to know the number and I want to work to that number. So if you want that, then get the sweat test. Yep. If you want to ballpark it, you can ballpark it. I think for the average person playing amateur footy or you know amateur cricket, you mm-hmm. can probably ballpark it at 1,000 milligrams an hour. Yep. Um, and then obviously you would... Um, Depending on your sweat rate, if you sweat more, have more. If you have sweat less, yeah, okay. all the F forty five people probably a bit more. <laughs> a bit more. Reckon, yeah. um, so we can come down to F forty five, and we can definitely do some sweat testing down there if you like. Uh, hit us up at AI. Yeah. We, we have a hydration page, so yeah. just go to there, and you'll find the link. Delby okay. does uh, talk up a bit of F forty five, but for I, three weeks. but I need to like really say just how important it is to. Uh, get down to AI if you're interested at all in being um, better in any way, not even just as a professional athlete or a semi-professional, just as someone who wants to perform better and and basically feel better all the time. Um, if you want to last longer with your missus, yeah. just get some sodium in you, get a sweat test going, I, I get the sweat box going. <laughs> I really recommend going down to AI um, and... And yeah, they're fucking awesome down there. So. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, cheers for that. Fucking awesome episode. Um, yeah. Sweet. All things hydration. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Fuck it. Yeah. Cheers. Let's get sweaty. Look at these men finishing <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the bit now. <laughs> I'm a crow. Ah! You shall you not pass. You shall not pass. <laughs> he never did the W, but everybody else has done the W. <laughs> Listen all the way to the end and you'll see why he's the dumbest cunt on the planet. Yes. Grab a drink, settle down, and we'll see you in right now. Yeah. Five Yards Podcast. <laughs>